Welcome back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today I am delighted to welcome Dustin Kemp. Dustin has previously written about Vietnam tourism and travel life, and that's going to be the primary basis of today's conversation now that Vietnam tourism is slowly getting back to normal, and we're also going to discuss Vietnam in more general depth. I'm looking forward to this. Dustin, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm really, I'm great. I'm very happy to be in a podcast. I've done some radio uh, work in the past, but not for a while. So this is a nice little trip down memory lane. Absolutely. Is this your first, say, official podcast appearance? Uh, podcasting? Yes. I've not gotten, I listen to podcasts all the time, but I've never actually been on one. So this is the first. Nice. You can take this off your bucket list then. You can like be on <laughs> the same platforms as Joe Rogan or whoever else you listen to. Exactly, exactly. This is the start of a new era in my life. Absolutely, man. And I guess just to, you know, get some kind of insight before we delve into Vietnam and your work, can you tell me just a little bit about you, like your upbringing, where you're from, like your education, just, I guess, a little overview just to get a better understanding of Dustin. So I'm from California, the San Francisco Bay Area, to be exact. Um, I went to school, you know, around my house uh, until college, really. And then uh, when I reached college, I decided to take off for Ohio and go to the College of Worcester. Uh, that was pretty much my first exposure to, uh, you know, international students of any kind. And I found myself in college bonding a lot with, um, with Southeast Asian students for whatever reason. I'm still not exactly sure why. I just tend to get along with Southeast Asian people better. Um, I was majoring in um, mass media communication in college. Uh, but I, when, I, when I graduated, I didn't really have a, lot, a great idea of what I want to do professionally. I didn't have any prospects lined up or anything. And so I thought that I might as well, um, you know, do something interesting with my life. I didn't want to just do the same old thing, uh, move back to California, get a job in San Francisco and work there. So I decided to go to Vietnam since I had friends who were Vietnamese and I, I felt comfortable in that you know, environment. And I did go to Vietnam. I expected to just really stay in Southeast Asia for like a few months and then uh, and then come back to, to the States. But I just fell in love with Saigon. So I decided to stay there and I've never looked back. I, I really, really miss it. Absolutely. What did you fall in love with about the city in particular? What aspects? Um, well, I'm still trying to figure out exactly why I love the city so much. It's, it's just a confluence of so many things. One of the reasons is because of the, how kind of um, diverse I feel like Saigon is in terms of in terms of um, areas to explore. One of, probably my, my biggest passion is finding out more about the 
I guess you would call it the urban landscape of Saigon, you know, like um, what there is to in each district and how they differ from each other. And um, also just walking around the city, when I lived in Saigon, I walk around for literally hours every day, um, just exploring, you know, the street food scene and um, everything else there is to see. And Saigon's a great walking city. So that's, that's one of the things I love about it. I love the people, I love the freedom, how there's a lot less rules than most places. So you just feel like you can kind of like go anywhere and do anything that you feel comfortable with. Um, I could go on for, I could go on for a long time about why I love Saigon so much, but I do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. What and if, sorry, carry on. That that's actually something that I've used as a jumping off point for my career because um as I believe you mentioned, I I write a lot about um tourist activities and you know expat life things expats can do around Saigon. And so I kind of feel like my my uh, physical exploration of the city, you know, just like walking around and reading about uh, local attractions and all that. I feel like that's um, almost research that that fuels my the writing that I do. Absolutely. And sorry, just to, I guess, back up or go back to something you mentioned. You mentioned Saigon is a very good walking city. That kind of surprised me because the amount of motorbikes and, you know, the traffic and the roads being quite narrow. I often struggle to walk around Saigon when I first arrived here. I've found a way now, but I mean, I, I feel quite surprised like that you found it so easy to walk around, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. I, I hear that all the time that people don't like walking around, but I've always loved it and I know it sounds a little crazy but I actually really like traffic there um compared to somewhere like like the United States I feel like walking around streets is a lot less intimidating because um motorbikes are really are really agile and easy to maneuver um I've never been hit even though I lived in Saigon for seven years and I walk around um, the streets constantly. I feel like you just need to be alert and then um, I don't feel like in danger walking. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, I guess walking around and feeling safe is kind of a, a skill almost that you have to develop over time, but um, Maybe it's because I walk just so many, so many like hundreds or probably thousands of hours around the city at this point. I just don't even think about the traffic. Absolutely. I understand what you mean exactly where uh, initially it can be quite daunting, but over time you realize that it is actually quite safe in Saigon, especially compared to Western countries. And the key aspect is that the bikes are not looking to hit you they are looking to avoid you so when you cross the street you are in safe hands now coming to the city for the first time and getting the chaos and the vibrancy it can be quite tricky 
But once you navigate navigate that initial process, you're fine. And you know, ultimately, yeah, we are living in a safe city in Saigon, and I'm incredibly blessed to be here. Can we go a bit, I guess, fast forward to how you used Saigon and your experiences and your love for the city to, I guess, springboard your career? Can you tell me a bit more about how you made it more of your work? Yeah, so, um, all right, so uh, let me begin at the start of my uh, professional experience in Saigon. When I moved there originally, I had the idea that I was going to be an Englishman because um, that at the time that sort of seemed to me like the default career for, uh, you know, an expat living there. Um, and also it's a good way to make a comfortable living. Um, but after only a few weeks of teaching, um, I was teaching at Boston University. And after only a few weeks, I, I realized that I was just not cut out for that. I, I didn't like it. And um, I, I felt like I made students uncomfortable with how intense I was sometimes. I'm not the most patient person. So at that point, I quit and I took a step back and kind of assessed what do I love to do? And what am I good at that I could also monetize? And I found that the answer was writing. I had always loved writing. I had always been good at it. I had actually never even considered doing writing professionally, except for things like um, you know working in an ad agency might require a little bit of copywriting, but um, I never considered, you know, doing things like articles and blogs and writing for magazines. However, I, I decided I wanted to do it. It's what made me happy. And um, it was difficult to say the least to get started. Um, I sent like probably hundreds of emails without getting a response. But eventually I started writing for a few, uh, you know, like content mills, places where you would write thousand word articles for 10 bucks. Um, and for a few years, I was making like next to no money. It was really difficult. But as time went on, I started to build on my resume and get better and better jobs. And eventually I got to the point where I could, I could actually, uh, pitch myself to specific publications and have a good chance of getting work there, you know, if they were looking for someone. And um, during those, those few years, I had developed a habit of walking around the city and I'd just grown to really love it. Uh, it was a thing that I could do that was free or at least very inexpensive. Um, and it, you know, it was good exercise, but yeah, I, I had, I had really developed a fondness. So I started local, especially um, ones that were run by tour companies, for instance, blogs of tour companies. And um, again, that was, that was a process that took a little bit of time to get off the ground. I had to make a lot of a lot of uh, cold call, well, not literally cold calls, but I had to make a lot of e or emails to people. But eventually I broke through and um, I started doing some writing. At first I was writing for 
next to no money almost for free just as a side gig kind of but as i built up my resume um i started to get higher and higher paying jobs now i'm i'm doing what i really want to do even though right now i'm not living in vietnam um i'm going to return in december i am still able to work for vietnamese uh travel companies even from where i am now because um i just have a pretty high degree of expertise about the the city and how it works and you know the language the food the culture um yeah i don't i don't want to i don't want to toot my toot my own horn or anything but i um i'm probably i'm 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 really quite knowledgeable about the city especially for an because um to be honest there aren't that many expats that I know at least that stay in the city for as long as I have. And if they do, um, they're generally not as deeply involved in the local community. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean, especially, you know, having seven years in a place. Yeah, being involved in the local community can be slightly tricky because you have, you know, the appeal of say Taudien or Bintan or D7, which also has the westernized kind of places. And you think, yeah, I can settle there. So it can also be a paradox of that comfortable side of back at home and also being immersed in the local community. But can I ask you, I guess, more specifically about writing? Do you think that the main trait if any is persistence because you mentioned at the beginning you were writing for free and then we're just building up and up and up to the point where you knew there'd be a good chance you'd be accepted how important do you think persistence is uh yeah i well if you if you are starting from nothing like this then i, I think this is very important i do know people that uh you know basically catapulted straight to a fairly good writing position because they had an in they they knew somebody and then uh with after, even after that with the the experience that they had on their resume they were able to get more um a higher level writing job but yeah i i think that persistence is um for me, at least, it has been a key to being able to do exactly what I want to do. And I, I think that really, for for any career, well, not, not any career, but for most careers, uh, I, I think that persistence is needed if you want to, if you want to be doing, you know, exactly what you want to do. I have, um, I know other people in Saigon who use persistence to attain positions that they find really interesting. Um, I also know people who have been discouraged uh, to even try that. And so they're just kind of stuck in the role of English teacher. And I'm not trying to bat mouth English I know that some people love teaching English and some people are good at it. Some people love the kids, some people love the culture, um, but some people don't. And I feel like even some of those people that don't 
uh, are just afraid to be persistent. I, I think that persistence can get you kind of anywhere professionally. Absolutely. No, I love the fact you've mentioned that actually about the fact that it can be a trap. I know personally, and I'm not trying to badmouth a lot of people who don't love teaching, but stay in Saigon for seven or eight years. And I think, well, you know, it, it, why not try some other avenue? It may not work, but at least you can, you know, branch out. And again, if you love teaching and I do personally myself, you know, keep doing it. Like I completely understand why you would. It's a rewarding profession, but I like the fact you've highlighted that there are other avenues, there are other areas. And if you want to do something else in Saigon, there are other opportunities. Right. Especially for, for Western expats, if, if you are a native English speaker, I feel like there's a, that, that's a highly in-demand skill in almost every industry. Um, even some, like for instance, I've, uh, I have a friend who is passionate about psychology. Um, he majored in psychology in college and then he moved to Saigon. And um, he's, he's, you know, he teaches English. He, even though sometimes he complains that like, he really wishes he could do something in the psychology field, but he's never actually gone for it. And I keep telling him, like, you should try, you know, applying for you know, there there are some psychiatric hospitals in this I'm not sure where else, but there are opportunities. And as a native speaker who has credentials in psychological studies, I I feel like he at very least stands a chance of finding something that he's really passionate about. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there, Dustin. I think it's just a matter sometimes of going for it and hoping that the desired outcome comes your way. It's definitely a case of that, especially in Saigon. And I suppose now I'm going to ask you more specifically about Vietnam tourism. Obviously, that did stop for obvious reasons, the pandemic in 2020, and is now reopening again. Can you tell me a bit more about your work in that particular sector, Vietnam tourism and writing? Yeah, um, so originally I was more interested in um, writing about expat life in Vietnam because um, I found it more relatable to me. Um, because I've I've never really connected with the tourist lifestyle as much as you know the local lifestyle, um, and well, by local lifestyle I mean the you know the local expat lifestyle. Um, however, after a little while, I found a um, a tour company. Uh, I probably shouldn't name them, but um, I found a, a company that uh, really welcomed my more, uh, I guess you would say, local knowledge. Um, they they felt that that made for a lot more, you know, informative um, touristic content, and it actually added to my credibility. So. Um, I started writing about that and then I started branching out into things like, you know, hotels and restaurants. And I, I also did even did some stuff like um, 
oh, like the, the culture of street food in Saigon, for instance, which was genuinely really, really interesting to me. I loved writing about stuff like that because I got to include a lot of knowledge that I had gathered from all of the adventuring that I'd done around Saigon. But then also I got to, in the course of research I was doing for that article, I got to find out a lot more about the city around me. So um, I, the, the, the tourism writing I did isn't exactly like what you might traditionally think of as uh, travel writing because uh, to be honest, most travel writers haven't, they haven't either haven't thoroughly explored the location they're writing about or haven't even been to it. I know, I know travel writers that write about, you know, traveling to the Philippines, for instance, and they've never been to the Philippines. They're just, they've never left the U.S. and they're just writing from their house in Texas. <laughs> um, uh, the writing I did was, was more, uh, I guess you would call it like down and dirty travel writing almost. Uh, but that's the brand that I really enjoy. Right, I see. And I'm just I'm just wondering here, how can you get away with that? Like, how can you get away with, for example, sitting in a house in Texas and writing about the Philippines if you've never even been? Um, because there's so much information on the Internet. Like, for instance, right right now, I'm writing for a, a cookware blog. Uh, and a lot of the articles I write include product reviews. I have never actually used... 99% of the products I write about, but there's so much information about them on the internet and so many Amazon reviews and, you know, product pages that I can get a really good idea of exactly what the product does right. And travel writing in many cases is the same. Uh, people will just read reviews of TripAdvisor about a place and, uh, you know, read articles from the tourism board where of the country where that place is located and they bring all that together to write about why you should visit this place too. This is why other people like it. Um, however, you, you can't really get the, you can't get a full um, authenticity that way because you can't write about things like, for instance, tips on how to suss out the best deal, like locals, locals really value this. So you should make a point of doing this when you're trying to negotiate a deal, something like that. That's just an example. Yeah, no, I see. And are you able to distinguish really the authentic travel writing from perhaps the regurgitated, if you know what I mean? Is it easy to spot the difference? I mean, uh, I wouldn't say it's easy to spot the difference because in my opinion of uh, someone who's not great at travel writing, even if they have experienced the place, they'll just write the same, like someone who hasn't experienced the place. But when you read something that has to do with, um, you know, like uh, these are some insider tips that you can use to, to um, navigate this place more e easily 
then in in those cases usually you can tell if if the tip seemed really authentic and kind of like out of the box something that you wouldn't think of unless you had actually had that experience before then you can tell if the person has has is living in Saigon for example or not right i see and can i ask you I guess a bit more about like your own journey. Uh, what do you think have been the key traits required to succeed in your industry bar persistence? Are there any other things you should be striving for, perhaps if you're an aspiring travel writer or beyond? Um, yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, I... I, I think that doing things that are out of the box is very important. Um, there is a like kind of a, a structure and a tone that you just imagine when you're thinking of travel writing. Like there, when you're reading an article that didn't put a lot of effort into, in an article that's very formulaic you can you can tell uh it's it's very cliched it it sounds like something you would see like for instance on like a like a tv show or in a movie when someone visits a travel site this that's what you'll see you know a lot of i don't i don't know exactly how to explain it but you can you can just tell when someone when something doesn't have a lot of effort put into it but um if you kind of go out of the box a little and write about things that aren't always written about in travel blogs um then that really does make a difference i mean also a bit a big part of my job is seo search engine optimization which is basically writing about things in a way that Google likes. So Google will prioritize your your articles and the results. And Google's algorithms are pretty amazing. It can actually detect, um, you know, writing that is like original and informative. It doesn't just detect, um, you know, like uh, format formatting type stuff it can actually detect whether content is well-written or not. Um, and Google just lots of originality. So um, I think originality is something that has really helped. And it also makes my job more interesting and fun. When I'm writing like product reviews, for instance, uh, product reviews are actually quite easy because they're kind of formulaic. They're not very interesting though. So, I, I can't sit down and just write product reviews for eight hours straight. It's it's too it's too grating. But I can do um, you know like uh, my own creative brand of travel writing for eight hours straight because it is different than than what you normally think of. It's fun to make too. Right, I see. And yeah, I do understand that, you know, the different varieties and obviously Google can be extremely reliable with the algorithms and extremely good at picking it up. Um, I want to kind of wrap up pretty soon, Dustin. And so I suppose the 
final question might be quite tricky because nobody can predict the future exactly, especially in say 2019, if you'd predicted the next few years. But Vietnam yeah. tourism is slowly reopening. Uh, 15th of March was a big day. And, you know, I've seen people do the visa runs to Cambodia and whatnot. And yeah, we're getting back to quote unquote, the new normal. Where do you see the future of Vietnam, perhaps in tourism in the next couple of years? What do you foresee happening? Um, well, it really, it, like, I, I would say the future of Vietnam tourism for the next couple of years and beyond that even really depends on how much of an effort Vietnam, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get political, no, but it depends on how much of an effort uh, Vietnam as a country makes to, to preserve its own culture. Um, there has, there have over in the past uh, five or 10 years, there have been some incidents where um, basically Vietnam allowed um, foreign, foreign companies and investments basically buy up large chunks of the country. Um, and if that trend continues and even picks up speed, then I think that could be bad for Vietnam tourism because right now Vietnam is a, a pretty culturally rich country. Um, and I think that's kind of apart from other Southeast Asia. Um, and I think that if Vietnam can preserve its culture, then it will continue to be a, it will continue to be and even grow into more of a thriving tourist destination. But um, it really depends on, um, you know, the, the um, policies about cultural preservation that the higher ups make, in my opinion. Absolutely. Dustin, thank you very much for your time and all the very best with your future endeavors. Yeah, that was that was fun. Um, thanks. Thanks for having me.